it would not be unusual for them to have a screaming match that ended in their ripping each other's clothes off. They were very passionate all over the spectrum. Hi, this is Ben Mankiewicz. We have some terrific bonus episodes this season featuring stories and insights we couldn't fit into the main episodes. Today, I have more of my interview with writer-director Aaron Sorkin. He has a new movie out about Lucy and Desi called Being the Ricardos. And in our conversation, we talked about what drew him to Lucy's story, Lucy and Desi's intense relationship, and the danger they both faced when HUAC investigated allegations that Lucy was a communist. Uh, Aaron, let me ask you, where did your interest in Lucy begin, and when did you decide to tell this specific Lucy story? What I look for, if I'm going to try to write something, I look for points of friction. You know, what are, what are scenes going to be about? Where's the intention and obstacle? Our producer, Todd Black, and his then development director, Jenna Block, who had written her college senior thesis on Lucille Ball, over the course of, of more than a year of the three of us kind of trying to decide if there was a movie here, Jenna Block would just give me more and more ideas for, for points of friction. Then what happened was uh, I like working in condensed spaces and condensed periods of time. Uh, so I liked the framing device of let's set the whole story uh, during one production week of I Love Lucy, Monday table read through Friday audience taping. And I will have these various uh, points of friction, these obstacles. Uh, I'll have them all occur during that week. What you're supposed to do as a writer is you take your protagonist uh, or protagonists, and there are two uh, in this film, Lucy and Desi, and you keep putting obstacles in front of them. You keep building boulders to stick in front of them. And uh, that's how I came up with the structure of this. And so this film, uh, Being the Ricardos, what can you, uh, without uh, revealing more than you want to, what can you tell us about the, this time uh, in Lucy and Desi's life together that, that, that your picture examines? The movie takes place during one production week of I Love Lucy, Monday table read to Friday audience taping. And on each of these days, there's a flashback that shows a different moment in, in their lives. But in this week, I've taken three events, three things that did happen uh, during the production of Isle of Lucy, and I make them happen in the same week. Uh, three places that would be points of friction for Desi and Lucy and three obstacles for Lucy to overcome. And that's how we get to know them. You took three moments... Uh, and, and put them into one week. Give me a sense of how that process works when you're telling a, a you know, a, a true story or, you, you know, you're telling stories about real people and you want to be accurate to history, but you also need to tell a story in an engaging way that fits a certain narrative. How does that process, how does that process work and what'd you do here? You said accurate to history. What, um, one thing that you do is you separate accuracy from truth. Truth is more important than accuracy. In journalism, accuracy is more important. But <laughs> let, me, let me explain all of that. We go back to flashback sequences to when Lucy and Desi first met and to particular moments in their marriage. But what's going on during this one week 
is that Lucy's been accused of being a communist. Desi is on the cover of Confidential Magazine with another woman and an accompanying article called Desi's Wild Night Out about an affair he's been having. Uh, And the third thing is that Lucy's pregnant and she has to tell not just the writing staff, but she's got to tell CBS, she's got to tell Philip Morris, uh, who was their principal sponsor. And back then that was a big deal. It was a real problem uh, that Lucy was pregnant. Those three things I didn't make up. They happened. They just didn't all happen in the same week. I put them in the same week because to tell the story about the two of them that I wanted to tell, I wanted to put as much pressure on her as I could. And I just like condensing time and geography. I like working in small spaces. So knowing that I wouldn't be perverting history or defaming anyone by saying that, you know, the the Red Scare happened in 1951 instead of 1952. Um, like I said, I didn't think I was hurting anyone by doing that. And that's the compass that you use. Am I perverting history and am I hurting anyone? And, you know, the answer to both those questions was no. So that became the construct for the film. You're not telling these people that I checked the wrong box. This is a critical moment, Lucy. If I'm going to die, you're not. I would rather die standing up. I don't have any idea what I'm that is. I'm not an idiot. I didn't check the wrong box. You saw the headline. You can see the headline from outer space. Then please. Grandpa Fred raised me for when I was age four. He cared about the little guy. He cared about workers' rights. It was a tribute to him. And to say that I checked the wrong... Grandpa Fred, Grandpa Fred was wrong, Lucy. Yes, he didn't tell you the part where they throw your father in prison for the crime of being the mayor of a city. I was chased to this country, Lucy. It strikes me, uh, given what I know about the blacklist, that the evidence against Lucille Ball was actually stronger than against a lot of people who lost their careers. Yeah, that's true, uh, because Lucy had registered as a member of the Communist Party when she registered to vote. She did it because the man who raised her, her father died when she was very young, and she was raised by her grandfather, who she and everyone else called Grandpa Fred. Grandpa Fred was a communist. And the way Lucy was brought up, that wasn't a bad word. She didn't think that there was anything sinister about being a communist. Uh, she thought it meant helping the working man and, you know, and being for the little guy. So when it came time to check off a box to honor her Grandpa Fred, she checked this box as a member of the Communist Party. She then was asked to testify in front of the committee And the committee cleared her, but she was then brought back in in a secret session, an unpublished session, a week earlier, a week before this hour movie, Being the Ricardos, takes place. And that session cleared her too, but that week, they had every reason to believe, uh, beginning with, you know, I say that the the film is, is Monday through Friday. It's actually late Sunday night through Friday, and it was Sunday night when Walter Winchell ended his weekly broadcast without naming Lucy, implying very strongly that Lucille Ball was a communist. Uh, So everyone at the show, including and especially Lucy and Desi, assumed they weren't going to be, that I Love Lucy was over, and so were their careers, that they weren't going to be taping a show 
Friday night that Lucy was about to be blacklisted. People did not survive this. I mean, it is uh, they weren't uh, they weren't overreacting when they thought it was all over. No, not at all. Just the year before, 10 people had gone to prison. Very famously, the Hollywood 10. 10 screenwriters went to prison, well, for contempt of Congress, for refusing to answer the question, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? And for refusing to name names. People's careers were destroyed because of the blacklist. So even though Lucille Ball was the most popular star in America at the time. And I Love Lucy was viewed by an average of 60 million people every Monday night. It was an enormous hit. It was the most valuable property that CBS owned. It was the most valuable property that Philip Morris Tobacco owned. I Love Lucy was a huge industry. It was very much in danger that week of just having its lights shut off. And that would have been not just the end of the show, but the end of Lucy and Desi. Going back to that 21st century framing that I think people ought to remember, 1936, the year Lucy checks that box, capitalism had failed. It wasn't outrageous to look for another ideology. No, it wasn't outrageous at all. And People, you know, th- there would be meetings at, at someone's house where, where people were just getting together to talk about another way. I mean, we, we were in the midst of a terrible depression with one in four adult Americans unemployed. And we were talking about, is, is there another way? Oftentimes, you know, you would go to one of these meetings and it would feel more social than anything else. You know, they're passing out food and you're having cocktails and someone's speaking. And, you know, more often than not, you'd, you'd hear it. And, and that was that. You weren't, you weren't interested. It was because of the, the Cold War starting. It was post-World War II America where suddenly the Soviets were our enemies. They'd been our allies in World War II where suddenly the Soviets were enemies and an evil empire that was trying to take over the world, there was a tremendous fear that communists had infiltrated both our government and the entertainment industry, and that they were seeking to brainwash our children through movies and television. Fred Seahunt, my grandfather, was a member of the party. This was in the early 30s. I was in my early 20s. He never used the word communist. But he cared about workers, the working man. He raised my little brother and me, and I wanted to please him. So I checked the box. Back then, it wasn't considered much worse than being a Republican. Why was the the committee, why was HUAC interested in Hollywood? Hollywood uh, still has a tremendous amount of influence over all of us, over the population of the country. There are... Also, a lot of Jews uh, working in Hollywood, and people were kind of drawing a line from Jews to communism. So you mentioned Winchell. How did Lucy find out she was under the microscope? Listening to the radio. Um, Walter Winchell had a broadcast every Sunday night. Walter Winchell was a, uh, you know, he, he was a communist hunter, a very irresponsible communist hunter. And Lucy's listening to the radio on a Sunday night, and Winchell ends his broadcast. I wish I could remember a word for word, and it is word for word in our movie. But he ends the broadcast by saying, 
television's most famous comedian, uh, was questioned by the House Un-American Activities Committee uh, about her association with the Communist Party. And, you know, she heard that and that's, you know, you kind of drop your glass of milk. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you hear that, that means your life is over. Yeah, there was no ambiguity about who he was talking about, whether he mentioned uh, her there, or not. There wasn't, even though Desi tries to convince her she may have been ta- that, that he may have been talking about Imogene Coca. <laughs> so regarding the blacklist, like when they get the news, right, and, and Desi goes through his brief moment of trying to convince her that it's, that it's not <laughs> her, then what, is, what does he do? I mean, this was like a, a this needed uh, effective, swift action, and it involved going to the stakeholders in the show, right? Yeah, and if you want effective, swift action, you want Desi Arnaz, okay? Lucy was married to exactly the right guy for that moment because, listen, as much friction as there was uh, in that marriage, as much difficulty as there was in that marriage, these two were deeply in love with each other and Desi was very protective of Lucy. So when, when you're being threatened with the blacklist, Desi is the guy you want on your team. More of my interview with Aaron Sorkin right after this short break. Lucy guesses some names. Yeah, teasingly. And the script indicates that Ricky takes his hands away from Lucy's eyes, turns her around and says... No, it's me. So my question again, Jess... Does Ricky honestly, truly believe that there might be eight different men who routinely walk into their apartment, all of whom sound exactly like Desi Arnaz? You think we're saying Ricky's stupid? I think you're saying the audience is. And that's something for which they won't soon forgive you. You charge for these lessons? A ton. What was your sense from doing the research? How did Lucy cope with this stress? Lucy it feels like would cope with stress one of two ways. She longed for a more domesticated life. Uh, so she'd start knitting something um, or she would clean the kitchen obsessively. But the other thing she would do, and that's what she does mostly in this film, is really throw herself into her work to the point where the Ricardo's living room, that little postage stamp-sized piece of stage became the only place where her marriage worked. Even though it wasn't her marriage, it was Lucy Ricardo's marriage to Ricky Ricardo. And it was the only place she was happy. The Ricardo's home became the only place where she felt like she had that domestic life that she yearned for. Um, Any sense of what was going on during this process, the mood of uh, Jess Oppenheimer and, and the writers, Madeline Pugh and, and Bob Carroll. I mean, all their livelihoods are at stake. Well, the moods was, yeah, th- listen, their jobs were going to be gone too. So there was that. Madeline and Lucy have their own friction in the film and Jess Oppenheimer uh, and Lucy have their own friction in the film. Lucy went to Jess. And again, this is something that happened the same week as everything else. But in the film, it is something that happens the same week as everything else. Lucy went to Jess to ask Jess, the executive producer of the show, executive producer, head writer, 
and the creator of the show. He's the showrunner. Lucy asked Jess to give Desi an executive producer credit as well. That uh, Lucy believed that her marriage could be saved by, by saving Desi's ego and making him not feel like second banana somehow. So Lucy went to Jess to ask Jess to give Desi an EP credit, which Jess was unwilling to do. Um, so what's a bit stunning is that they met in, in 1940 on production of, of Too Many Girls, and, and they're together for, for 20 years. I mean, given the stresses that they experienced regularly, it's rather remarkable that they got two decades together. Isn't it? Yes. And remember that part of those 20 years was uh, Desi in the army uh, during World War II. By the way, Lucy, <laughs> Lucy was engaged when she met Desi. Lucy had a fiance who she didn't really like that much. <laughs> um, so the morning after Lucy and Desi spent the night together uh, on their first date and, and the morning after Lucy called her fiance and uh, called off the engagement. I'm not, I'm not defending Desi here, but the relationship did begin with Lucy being unfaithful. But it was very quick. Like both, they they meet, they they go to end up going to a party together. They sit on the beach, and and within hours, both of them are out of relationships and together. Yeah, and their initial meeting, Desi was in. Too many girls was a Broadway musical, and Desi was in it. He was one of the stars, and they make the movie version, and they keep Desi. But whoever was playing Lucy's part on Broadway, they didn't want her. They wanted instead Lucille Ball. So the way they met was Desi was on a soundstage during rehearsals for Too Many Girls, the movie. Lucy was on a neighboring soundstage finishing up shooting on a film called Dance Girl Dance. So she had bruises on her face and bandages on her face. And she kind of popped into this too Many Girls rehearsal, this movie she was going to start shooting in a few days, where she sees Desi singing and all the chorus girls were fawning over Desi and Lucy tries to introduce herself, but Desi's not really interested because she's all banged up and bandaged and looks like a weirdo. Uh, He doesn't realize that that's Lucille Ball. And it's not until later that day when she comes back to the soundstage dressed as herself that he realizes the mistake he made. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, but I mean, give a sense of how people describe that moment where they meet. People describe that moment and people describe generally just kind of being in the presence of Lucy and Desi. Today we call it chemistry, that the chemistry was, the romantic and sexual chemistry between the two of them was off the charts, that it was clear these two were in love and it would only take about a half a minute more for it to be clear, and there's going to be trouble. I like that uh, Eddie Bracken was one of the cast members of Too Many Girls, and, and everyone sees them start this relationship together and the intensity of it. And they, I guess there's some sort of, you know, uh, pool about how long it will last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Eddie had the, he was, he was, he had the longest pick, and it was just six months. Um. It, it lasted longer than that. And you know what? Now, none of this uh, is in the movie, but you, you can, you know, you can YouTube all, all kinds of interviews uh, uh, with the two of them. It is very clear 
that they were intensely in love with each other long after their marriage ended. The Plot Thickens will return right after this. Calculation. In the course of one week, I see you one twentieth as much as your second trombone player. Well, learn to play the trombone, and I'll give you this job. Well, how hard is the trombone? Uh, maybe it'd be better if we didn't spend the little time we have arguing about why we don't have more time. That made me feel like a bitch because I want to see my husband. It is easy to look at this and see Desi Arnaz as the philandering husband who uh, wrecked the Lucy-Desi marriage. But Lucy was a challenge as well. Is that fair? Yes, it's it's more than fair. Uh, Lucy was very difficult, which isn't, I, I think both of us want to make it clear that that is not a reason to, to cheat on your wife, um, that there isn't a good reason to cheat on your wife. But Lucy was very difficult. More than that, though, listen, at this point, we've shown the movie to, to a few people. To a few dozen people, uh, probably, at, at this point have seen it. And the thing I like hearing the most is when people say, oh, you know, I, I, I know he cheated on her and that's terrible, but I still love the guy. Um, I still love the guy and I'm not condoning it, but I get it. And it has much less to do with Lucy being difficult than the way Desi was raised and the way Desi's early years affected him. There are many points of friction uh, in the history of Desi and Lucy. This was a passionate, combustible relationship uh, from start to finish. Yes. Yes. And one of the things that interested me was how different their relationship was from Lucy and Ricky's. Um, uh, So being able to set one against the other was a lot of fun. Uh, But also just how different the two of them were from, you know, when we think of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, generally what we're thinking of is Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo. Uh, That's what we're picturing. And that's not who they are. I was struck by how little Lucille Ball looks like Lucy Ricardo. Uh, Lucille Ball, you know, was was a knockout, was a was a Rita Hayworth uh, level knockout. Because back then you couldn't be sexy on television uh, at all. You know, very famously, Lucy and Ricky slept in separate beds, but you couldn't be sexy. Uh, so. Lucy Ricardo has that very severe look with her hair pulled back and kind of always in an apron and when off camera, that wasn't who she was at all. So a lot of the fun of the movie is seeing that contrast. Yeah. And then then that brings to uh, my mind the title uh, of your film, sort of being the Ricardos again, Mm -hmm. sort of a reminder right there that they are they are play acting. The Ricardos were not the real people. They are, though, sadly, um, that living room set, the Ricardo's living room, was the only place where their marriage worked. These were two people 
deeply in love with each other. And part of it, by the way, was an intense sexual attraction, but they were deeply in love with each other. And it is painful to watch them not be able to get it together. Um, but you said the one place their marriage really worked was on that living room set at CBS when they were shooting I Love Lucy. Uh, uh, why do you think that was? I think that it was, uh, and uh, listen, as I said before, the, the, our film suggests a couple of reasons uh, why it might be, but who am I to say, really? I think that part of the problem was that, as William Frawley points out in a scene, uh Desi comes from a place that, where there's a very narrow definition of manhood um, and that it's very important to, to fit into that definition. Manhood is taken seriously and being married to someone more successful than he is, being somebody's second banana, was very difficult for Desi. And so Desi had affairs, which, of course, was very difficult for Lucy uh, Lucy wanted a real domestic life. Uh, she she really longed for that. Uh, Lucy grew up without a father. Her her father died when she was a tiny, tiny child. And she, yeah. she tried again and again and again to keep her family together and to bring her family together. That's exactly right. She Her whole life. Um, she was raised by uh, her grandfather, uh, who she called, gran- everyone called Grandpa Fred. She left home also very young at 14. Uh, she was sent to New York to go to acting school. She was kicked out of acting school for not being good enough. She was not hired for a lot of modeling jobs. Um, she got not hired as a Ziegfeld girl, uh, but she then got hired as a Goldman girl. And throughout all of this, she's not experiencing what she at least would consider an ideal family life. And that was just something that she wanted. Uh, you know, she wanted dinner time and uh, uh, and that kind of thing. So there were these points of friction with Desi. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. I mean, she, she, she did run away uh, as a teenager or left, not so much ran away they yeah. knew where she was going, but she did go to New York and then, but she always came back. I mean, the number of times we tried counting in the podcast, the number of times that she left home, Jamestown, New York, uh, and went to the city and came back and we gave up because it yeah. happened again and again and again. She always came back. And then when she moved to California, when, as soon as she was able to, she brought her she mother brought out her grandfather out. Yeah. And her exactly cousin. Exactly right. Yeah. So family always important. And, you know, it's easy to say that Lucy, who had had this very successful radio show on CBS, My Favorite Husband, and then when CBS thought, hey, maybe we can turn this into a television show, uh, Lucy insisted on keeping Desi around, making sure that Desi was her co-star. And she said, if you don't make it, Desi, uh, I'm not doing the show. And, you know, it was to save her marriage, you said. And although ultimately the marriage didn't last, it did last long enough to have two children. I mean, it, in a sense, it did save the marriage. It saved the marriage for a decade. That's right. It lasted long enough to have two children. And I I won't tell you the last line of our movie now, but it it would put the button on this. You have to remember though, uh, uh, if we're talking about how Lucy's childhood and and teenagehood, how, how her early years would shape the rest of her life, you have to also talk about Desi's youth which was considerably more traumatic. His early years very much shaped who he would be the rest of his life as well. Aaron Sorkin, this was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening. We have more bonus episodes coming up, including more from my conversation with Carol Burnett. If you're enjoying The Plot Thickens, why not leave us a review or tell a friend? For more about Lucy, check out our website, tcm.com slash theplotthickens. That's tcm.com slash theplotthickens.